Well, at the start of 2024, myself and the rest of the elders believe that time has come for us uh, to speak into the very real challenges that are being faced today all around us, not only in society, but also, as I'm sure many of you have seen yourselves, the challenges and battles that are going on within Jesus' church. We are constantly surrounded by very, uh, many voices um, claiming and proclaiming and demanding such things as, as, as human justice and human rights, sometimes in God's name. We, we watch as the, 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 the very foundation of human morality seems to be degrading and where the very essence of truth seems to be very blurred. And we believe that God, through his written word, has the answers that society and the church needs and for many are searching for. Now it's important for us to say at the outset here that we are not experts in the social sciences and nor do we claim to be experts. There may be degree holders and professors here who are in social sciences, but we are not. But we do see the challenges and battles that are raging all around us, which are very real and are very damaging to God's precious creation. So today, we are starting a series that we are calling Realign. Realign. Which will run parallel to our studies through Luke, which we are continuing on throughout this year. This series is not intended to rewrite the rule book. That's not the point of it. But to help us to realign ourselves back to the only standard that we as humans were designed to live by. The only standard we were designed to live by. God's righteous standard, his rules, and his ways. Now I'll speak briefly more about the series later. But first, at the beginning, this first Sunday of the year, the beginning of 2024, it's right to go back and start at the very beginning. I would probably suggest, and I hope you would agree, a very good place to start. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Genesis 1, verse 1. Now we're going to read the whole of Genesis 1. It's a big chunk of scripture. So I've decided this morning to read from the NLT version. Because... It's just a bit easier to understand, and it flows a bit easier for people to understand. So Genesis 1, verse 1. <coughs> In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, 
Let there be lights, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness night. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky, and the evening passed, and the morning came, marking the second day. Then God said, let the waters beneath the sky flow together into one place, so dry ground may appear. And that is what happened. God called the dry ground lands and the waters seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land sprout with vegetation, every sort of seed-bearing plant and trees that grow seed-bearing fruit. These seeds will then produce the kinds of plants and trees from which they came. And that is what happened. The land produced vegetation, all sorts of seed-bearing plants and trees with seed-bearing fruit. Their seeds produce plants and trees of the same kind, and God saw that it was good. And evening passed, and morning came, marking the third day. Then God said, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days and years. Let these lights in the sky shine down on the earth. And that is what happened. God made two great lights, the larger one to govern the day and the smaller one to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set these lights in the sky to light the earth, to govern the day and night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw it was very good. And the evening passed, and morning came, marking the fourth day. Then God said, Let the waters swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. So God created the sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water, and every sort of bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Let the fish fill the seas and let the birds multiply on the earth. And evening passed and morning came, marking the fifth day. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals, the scurry along the ground and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image, to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, 
all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Everything that has life, and that is what happened. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. And the evening passed, and morning came, marking the sixth day. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you humbly with excitement, with apprehension, as we explore this new series. But our heart, Lord, must be and should always be to realign ourselves to you and your standards, your wills and your wishes. But we recognise we live in a world and a society, Lord, where that is hard. There's a lot, a lot of snares around us all the time. So I pray, Lord, at the beginning of this new series, that you prepare our hearts, that you prepare our eyes and our ears to be able to hear and listen, to help us to realign to who you are, and how you made us and what you created us for. Even myself and the elders as we preach on this subject, be with us as a church as we go step by step. Because Lord, unless we realign ourselves to the truths of your words, then how can we be a positive voice in this world? In Jesus' name we pray. In 1984, when I was just a wee pup at the age of three, I know, I don't look that old now, do I? A progressive rock band called Genesis. Who likes Genesis? It's a real yeah. Progressive rock band Genesis spoke into, I wrote a song that spoke into the disillusionment and the uncertainty of the political and the social tensions of the time that they were living in and what they were observing. The song was called, apart from Jeremy, does anyone know what that song is? Land of Confusion. Who said that? Yeah. Land of Confusion. Land of Confusion. And the pre-chorus of that song says this, it goes like this, there are too many men, there are too many people causing too many problems and there's not much love to go around. 
Can't you see we live in a land of confusion? We live in a land of confusion. Now, though this song was written 39 years ago, there is still a resonance to it that we see and we observe today in our time, in our society. You don't have to go too far to see the reality that we are still living in a land of confusion, surrounded by confused individuals, trying to make heads and tails of this world in which we live and within the lives that they are trying to lead. We live in a land of confusion, but this should drive us to ask the question, why? Why? Where did these societal fault lines that are all around us originate from? I would suggest to you this morning that the root of the problem is mankind's gradual move away from Almighty God being the centre of thought, of reason, of truth, of justice, and of moral standards created and designed by God for us. A move brought about by the sinful fallen state of the human heart. All around us individuals are playing God, making their own rules, which is not only a fallacy in itself, but an illusion which will lead them to feel the full force of God's righteous judgment one day. As Isaiah declared, the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. Not us. Not us. My intention today is not to do a deep dive study on Genesis. It's not the intention today. But to make, in essence, three observations about this text as a way of introduction to this new series. <coughs> Using God's account of this moment of creation as our basis to lay the foundation upon which we will build as we journey through this series. So the first observation that I want us to think and ponder through, we are creatures <coughs> created by the Creator, for the Creator. We are creatures created by the Creator, for the Creator. The opening sentence of God's Holy Bible, as we have just read in Genesis 1, says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God created the heavens and the earth. This is a profound statement of truth to the reality in which we live and is a proclamation of the magnitude and the majesty of God. 
God was before time. God is outside <laughs> of time as we know it. He must have been to be able to have created all things, to have created space, time, and matter as we know it and as we <coughs> observe it. He created the spiritual realm and the physical realm, the heavens and the earth, and he is the orchestrator of everything that we see, everything that we touch, everything that we smell, taste, and hear. When we observe the immense whales in the in the ocean, <coughs> some of you may have seen them in real life. Others may have just seen them in books or on TV. But irrespective how you how when you think about the whales in the ocean, when you look at the stars <coughs> in the night sky, when you watch the majestic sun rise and the sun sets that paint the sky incredible awesome colours when you observe the birth of probably the most awesome miracle the birth of a child he created it all he created us all As the psalmist in Psalm 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. King David proclaimed the heavens declared the glory of God, and the sky above proclaimed his handiwork. And why did God create all things as we know it? Another why question, isn't it? And as Christians, we should always have why questions. Why did he create all things as we know it? Simply put, he created it all for his own purpose and for his own glory. His own purpose and his own glory. But Paul declared in his letter to the Colossians, he says this, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him, and what's the last bit? And for him. Through him and for him. That includes us. We live in a world where so many are lost and drifting, separated from this, this amazing relationship with God, their Creator. And in their lostness, they've become blind to our wonderful, joyful purpose of existence, which is to delight in and to bring glory to God. To live in peace and harmony with each other and to live in peace and harmony with creation. Instead, we choose to live and act as if we are the centre of the universe as a human people. We live and act like we are the rule makers, like we 
are the law givers. But let us remind ourselves of, of what we read a little bit further on in Genesis. The Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became what? Man became a living creature. Now, as we journey through this, this study, we'll understand a bit deeper what that actually means as we look at man and woman. But we became a living creature. Now, yes, we are, and this is important to, for us to remember, okay? We are fearfully and wonderfully made. Praise God. Made in God's image and likeness. Praise God. We are precious in his sight. As humans, we are set apart from the rest of creation to live in peace and harmony and fellowship with God. Blessed to enjoy his world that he created. But friends, we are not God. We are not God. We are creatures created by God to live and be as he designed for his glory and for his purposes. Second observation that I really want us to think and ponder through. When God speaks, we would do well to listen and obey for our own good. When God speaks, we would excuse me, do well to listen and obey for our own good. Genesis 1 gives us the remarkable account of the first time in Scripture that we are told that God speaks. In the beginning, we read, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said. And God said. Nine times in Genesis alone, we are told, and God set as he brought about creation into being by the power of his spoken word. Now, whether direct from God the Father, through God the Son's ministry on the earth, or by the influence of God the Holy Spirit speaking through the prophets, and the apostles, God has spoken time and time again to us, his human creation, guiding us, encouraging us, correcting us and rebuking us and challenging us. Isn't this any different to what we do our own children? It was God, it was his spoken word that uh, that, that calmed the raging seas and commanded Lazarus to raise from the dead. Yes. It was God's word who said of Jesus' baptism, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. It was God who established the role of man and woman in this world 
and established how marriage and sex would function. It was God who instituted how governments were to rule and how his church, his people were to operate and function. It was God who established the standard of what is right and what is wrong. It is God who established the standard of morality and the standard of righteous justice, which is too often very different to what we see in the world around us with a lot of the justice that's trying to be pushed through. Friends, God Almighty is the eternal Lord giver. He has provided us the universal standard for all things moral and spiritual so that we can live harmoniously on this earth with each other as he intended. But the reason society seems to rebel against God's universal standard is simply because sin drives us to think we know what's best. And we think we can do it better. Sin drives us to rebel against submission to his authority, which is in itself a definition of sin. Humankind doing what humankind wants to do, irrespective of God's created purpose for us. <coughs> the third observation that I want us to think and ponder through at the outset of this series. Whether we like it or not, God's ways are perfect. Whether we like it or not, God's ways are perfect. At various points throughout God's creation account, as we read in Genesis, we read that God saw that it was good, giving us this wonderful insight into how pleased he was with what he made. But just before God rested on the seventh day, we read that God saw everything that he had made and said it was very good. Very good. God isn't a chancer. He doesn't do things by half. And he does not make mistakes. He is perfect in all he does and in all his ways according to his design, uh, his, his divine purpose and design. God's desire was to create humans to dwell in fellowship with him and for us to love and glory in him as he loves and blesses us. And in his creative plan, he gave humans free will so we could choose to live that way or not. Another question, why? Why did he do that? Why did he give us free will to love him or not? Because for love to be real, it can't be felt forced. It can't be demanded. God gave us the ability to make choices within the bounds of, of the physical limitations of his created design, which included the design to not follow his plan and pur purpose for our right living on this earth. It was Satan's choice to rebel against God by tempting Eve, 
It was, it was Adam and Eve's choice to disobey God, to eat the forbidden fruit. Actions which set in motion the rebellious, sinful nature that now many, or that the world battles with. We see this sinful nature all around us every day. You only have to walk out your front door turn on your TV or scroll through your social media, whatever it is you may do do, to see that the world in which we live is anything but peaceful and harmonious. We live in a society where unbiblical equality and injustice are prevalent, where unbiblical liberal freedom is celebrated all around us, where racism, disabilism, Misogyny and its, and its opposite, misandry, lurk constantly, which are all unbiblical conditions of the fall. A society where God's moral standards seem more like suggestions to living rather than core principles to right living. A society that advocates the postmodernist mindset that there is there is no absolute truth. There is no absolute truth, especially not the truth of the God of the Bible. They believe that the truth is relative to what you want it to be in your personal life and experiences. A society in which the very essence of who a human person is by God's design is not only being challenged but is being encouraged and celebrated. We live in a land of confusion. We are surrounded by unbiblical social justice ideologies which are often causing more harm than good in our society and the people that dwell with us creating often divisions, resentment, and hostility. Ideologies that are often driven by those who are confused about truth and uh, and reality themselves, because they are separate from God. But who want their voice to be heard, their demands to be listened to, and they want their, their, their rights implemented in the society in which we live. For we're even seeing the rise in the number of churches who have lost their fear of God and have stepped away from the inerrancy and truth of Scripture. And they've done so in favour of using Jesus' church as a social justice platform to advocate and celebrate their own sinful desires of the flesh. That is causing this rise of deconstructionism. If you don't know what that means, look it up. People who are brought up in solid faith are being encouraged to destruct their understanding of the truth of Scripture in favour of what the world is saying. Church, we are living in a land of confusion. And the reality is, for us to effectively speak into this confusion, we, together, first need to realign ourselves with what is right and wrong and what is just. Not by my standard, on what I think is right and wrong. 
not by your standards and what you think, but by God's original perfect standard, righteous standard as documented in his holy scriptures. Now this might be hard for some of you in here as we journey. I'm pretty sure it's going to be hard for some of you in this room. Because there may be things that you are passionate about and you want to advocate for. There might even be, you, you might even agree with some of the, the social justice and social um, human right ideologies that are out there. But let me ask you a question for you to take away. Are they biblical? Are they biblical? As God's people, we must be willing and ready to go on a journey to realign ourselves to his biblical standard, not what we think is right or what we want to be right. Because only doing so can we truly know how we fit into God's original plan and purpose and then know what justice he calls us as a church and as his people to fight for in the world. God is a God of justice and there are things that we can fight for but only what is right by his standards. So with all that said, coming back to this series, on the first Sunday of each month throughout this year, we will be going on a journey, a journey as a church to realign ourselves to God's standards in areas the church and the culture battle with. We will begin by starting at the beginning. Good place to start. Building upon that framework and that foundation, we'll begin starting with looking at the Trinity and starting to look at the relationship within the Godhead. We will then take that further by looking at God's purpose for man and woman as he created us. We will then look at areas including marriage, a divorce, singleness, dating and sex. All areas that are of much confusion, both in the world and in churches. Once we've established these biblical groundings, we will use those foundations to then explore what our response should be as Christians to the cultural battles going on around us all the time. Identity, homosexuality, unity, discrimination. As suggestions of what we are going to be looking at. Before seeing out the year by spending time exploring mental health, which is a real battle which many people face on a day-to-day basis. Running alongside these first Sunday of the month series, we will then further explore these areas both in our home groups and at this new Going Deeper Sessions on Sunday evenings. So there will be plenty of opportunity to chat and discuss these big big areas as, as a church people. 
Friends, there is much demand for those in society, including Jesus' church, to pick a side. Pick a side. It's what you always see, you're either on this side or on that side. We've often used the analogy in conversations with elders. It's like a pendulum. Always swinging, you're either that side or this side. Pick a side. Choose on which side you will stand in these issues the society are facing. Church, we will show all the love, compassion, and grace to people facing these battles in society all around us. We will. But as a church, we will not allow society <coughs> to push us into a place yeah. of making a decision to choose a side. Yeah. Yeah. We will always choose Jesus' side. We will always choose Jesus' path. And he will always, we will always follow God's standard for what is right and what is wrong. God's standard for truth and justice. However narrow that path is, and however many people outside this church get upset with us for doing so. Because trust me when I tell you, it will happen. It will happen. We may not feel that force within the UK as much, but open your eyes to the world. Yeah. <coughs> Churches are feeling the force of the society around them. Let's <coughs> not be naive to think it won't happen here. Church, I fear God. I fear God. I do not fear society. And I will choose God's standard, not society's confused ideologies a lot of the time. Because as God's people we are called to be different to the world, in the world but different to the world, set apart so that we can show those all around us that there is a different way. A different way. A way to peace and harmony, living, harmonious living and holiness. If we're no different to the world around us and the people that we do life with, how will they ever see that there's a different way, there's another option? They don't just have to choose that way or that way, but they can choose God. They can choose Jesus. The way that is only found, as we know, <coughs> through repentance and recognition of Jesus' sacrificial act upon the cross, A remarkable act which brought salvation and reconciliation and freedom to this world for those who would return from their personal selfish desires and their wants and what they're fighting for because they think it's right to turn and place their faith and their whole life in the hands of Christ, believing who He is and what He has done for us. That could be you today, here. You could be here and you still haven't given your life to Christ. Can I encourage you to do so? Count the cost and take the leap and place in your faith in Christ. Can I invite the band, please? Why are we doing this? Another why question. Why are we doing this? 
First and foremost, first and foremost, we are doing this so that as a church people, we become biblically wise in discerning what is happening all around us in the world. So that we can avoid being pulled into society's unbiblical snares. That's number one. Secondly, we are doing this so that we can assess ourselves. We've got help and guidance, so we can assess ourselves to ensure that we are correctly aligned to God's standards for right and holy living. Doesn't mean we're perfect. We're not perfect. We know that. We know that we're on a journey of, 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 of uh, righteousness. We're going to get things wrong. We're going to step off the path. We've got to be ready to get back on the path. It's not about being perfect, but it's about constant reassessing ourselves by God's standard and realigning ourselves to that. And then lastly, we are doing this so that we are properly equipped to share these biblical truths with grace and love to a confused society who is desperately in need to be reintroduced to our loving and our awesome God. Their creator, just like we read in Genesis. Those people who were made in God's image and likeness but have lost their way. The Apostle Paul, and I'm going to close with this, the Apostle Paul sums up our goal wonderfully in his opening to chapter 12 of his letter to the Roman church. He says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, he's talking to the church, those who are already within the family of faith, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That's part of us going and realigning ourselves back to God's standard. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. The only way that we can be acceptable to God is through our adherence to his standard. Salvation is secure. But he still calls us to live the right in a right way. He goes on, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world, but by transfer, being transformed by the renewal of our mind. How do we do that? In the Holy Spirit's guidance with God's scriptures. <coughs> and by testing, you may discern what is the will of God that is good and acceptable and perfect. The only way we can truly test what it is we are facing all around us all the time is to know what God's standard is. That is what we test all things on, not ourselves. Amen? Amen. 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 Father, Lord, we thank you for your word, we thank you for your truth, we thank you that you didn't just create us and you didn't just um, leave us to try and figure this all out. But Lord, not only did you, were you an ever-present uh, God 
with your people Israel. And you gave the commandments and the, the guide to living by your standards. Lord, you proclaimed that when you came in the person of Christ and you've spoken through your prophets and apostles and teachers this constant journey of guiding us to salvation and guiding us to right living and holiness. But Lord, we just ask as we head off to wherever we go just to help us to remember this introduction that we have looked at today. Help us to ponder those three observations. And help us to lay those as foundations as we journey. Lord, we love you. We glory in you. And we praise your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.